You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Jesper Larsen, the partner director at Voyado. If your purpose is to go to market and sell with partners, you have to work very close cooperation with the other sales-related team like SDR Marketing and Sales. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the SASIS Podcast. Daniel, what's up? A lot of stuff, buddy. Always a lot of stuff here. You know that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what keeps me most excited now is like we are... You know, in the middle of kicking off many of the network groups, there's so many new people that we're meeting now, so many great discussions already taking place. So that's that's obviously a lot of fun. And I really look forward for all the discussion in the upcoming year. Like we're off to a promising start here. Yeah. And I must ask you, we are working every day with uh, the SaaS community, uh, the B2B SaaS community here. So what's so fun with it? Why is it rewarding? That's a great question, and I think it's an answer that requires... <laughs> there's many different facets to that answer. One, it, it depends on how you're wired uh, as a person. Like, I think I can speak for both of us. We love meeting new people. Like, you get a lot of energy from interacting with all these great individuals in the community that are willing to, to share openly, to learn openly. It just gives you... Uh, a lot of energy or at least us I think another thing that we uh, find very encouraging is that we can actually see that members community uh, members or individual members we can see the progress we can see how people thanks to the network that we've set up here are able to progress in their individual careers or as a company They've benefited from being part of this and they learned something here. That is really rewarding. And sometimes I say, if we only can help one individual be better at their job, then we've succeeded. Now, if we can help many, that's much better. But yeah, so interacting with all these individuals and seeing them grow is really rewarding, at least to me. Yeah. What about you, Thomas? Well, I fully agree. And I'm, uh, I'm amazed how much People are helping each other, sharing with each other, and so on. And in general, I think people are very positive, and uh, it's really ex- inspiring to to work with this. And uh, today is also an opportunity to um, learn more from the community. We are really happy to have a former colleague and friend here, Jesper, that knows a lot about working with partners, which I think is um, something that a lot of companies struggle with, how to do that in um, a good way. So uh, let's talk to Jesper and um, take part of his learnings. Today, we are super happy to have Jesper Larsen, the partner director at Voyado, here as a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So warm welcome, Jesper. Happy to have you here. Thank you very much, Thomas and Daniel. So great to have you here, Jesper. Really excited and looking forward to the discussion here today. But be- before we get into the nitty-gritty, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, obviously, Thomas and I, I think we know 
quite a bit about you, but if there's anybody out there that doesn't know Jesper, who is Jesper? So uh, I'm uh, born and raised in Lund in Sweden. Uh, I've been, uh, I did my studies here in, in Sydney and then uh, I went on to work within different startups and uh, in the early 2000 and uh, went into telcos where there were a lot of startups during that time for, uh, for about 10 years until I ended up with you guys and working with InRiver for eight years. And that was until last year where I joined Voyadona. And during the last 10, 10 years, I've been very focused on and off with part management. And before that, I was working, when I was in the telco business, I was working a lot of, with sales through the big telco uh, vendors like Ericsson's and Siemens, etc. So very different partner engagements over the years. Right. And when you're not working, I know that you enjoy downhill skiing and, and the, that time is coming up soon as well. The prime time of the year, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> to in France and Italy for, for a few days of skiing, which will be really nice. All right. So what can you tell us about Viado? So Viado is a company that's been growing out of uh, building so, you know, solutions for the loyalty programs for retailers and B2C companies. And since a few years back, uh, they have been focusing and building a source service to manage the, the com complete sort of uh, wheel of, of engaging with customers and how to keep it loyal and managing all the communications and promotions towards customers. Uh, and then beginning of last year, once I joined the company as well, they, they acquired a company called Aptus that's adding in the the piece uh, of the online uh, engagement with the customers to understand what's happening online and be able to look into the future, what's, what sort of changes in the customer behaviors related to the searches and navigations. So we can take that into the, the wheel and, and try to use that information to be, have even more engaged customers. Right, and, and who are these customers? Uh, this would be uh, customers within retail and, and B2C uh, typically. So customers that are looking to improve their efficiency in, in marketing and, and uh, the online sales. And uh, so it's all about trying to, to understand and, and drake draw conclusions of what customers have done in the past uh, and predict what they will do in the, in the future. But also then looking at the activities that they do today online and try to, to uh, use that information in, into transactional communication to, to the customers. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, can you also share some numbers behind the business? Like what is your ARR today? How fast is the business growing at this point in time? So we have a turnover uh, of uh, almost uh, 60 million euros uh, last year. And we have a little bit over 300 employees. I think it's like 330, something like that. And we have uh, a bit over 400 clients. Okay. And that's, we're mainly operating across the Nordics, uh, Netherlands, Belgium, and the UK now. And then we're starting to look in and, and hire the first people on the ground in Germany now as well. Okay, exciting. And uh, how have you guys been financing this uh, exercise so far? 
So until now, uh, we have uh, two investors uh, looking into the company, Novax and Verdane. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been mainly to ac actually then fulfill different acquisitions of the Aptus and also a smaller company called Redeal recently here as well. Uh, and of course, to uh, support the engagement in new markets with like UK and, and the Netherlands that are, of course, markets where you need to spend a lot of time before you can earn that back. And, uh, right. And that's very much a long-term investment. Yeah. So are you, uh, cash flow positive now or like, are you making money or you're still investing in the growth? The plan is that we will turn this around to profitable business. Uh, like in, in early Q2 this year. Oh, wow. Uh, we have, uh, uh, a negative re results, but that's only with a few percentage until now. So, uh, and I think that's a very positive situation right now in, in this market. Yeah. And uh, so that we are that close. So we can basically, if we slow down the engagements in the new market and recruitment a little bit, we're, we're, we're closed to, to turn it around. Because you still grow very fast. Like what is your year over year growth rate? Uh, that's been, uh, over 30%, but uh, we also hit uh, the 30% landmark here last year. So, so that's really good. That is really good. Which is, of course, you know, becomes uh, more challenging year by year. <laughs> yeah. to keep that. Uh, but, but we were fortunately, especially last year, I think, because, you know, it was a challenging year for many of the colleagues in the industry. But I think both of our products were were we were able to sell it because, you know, one, we have a good way to operate the sales organizations. And the second part is really that we can see that both products that, that we go to market with can be used as really optimizing the existing business so they don't need to, to be part of a bigger replatforming product. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you so much for sharing that. And congratulations to you and the team for, for doing so well. And what we wanted to discuss with you today, I know you're running the, this, this operation over there at Voyado and you have so much experience in partner sales or channel sales. And we've seen that in our community. It's, again, if I may, a sexy topic, you know, partner-led sales is a big thing. What we hear in the discussions is that many people are excited about it. They embark on this exercise. They sign up a bunch of partners and then nothing happens. So we wanted to talk to you and cement this conversation. Is a partner strategy something that everyone should consider? When should you consider this? Yeah, I think it can be different things. Uh, I mean, uh, within River, it was very much in, in focus from the very beginning to build uh, capacity and deliverability. I mean, and to have a large delivery organization and scale that faster than we were able to do internally. And so that was one purpose to, to actually grow the, the, the service uh, organization faster with, with partners. Another one could be a more product oriented approach to actually make sure that you're well integrated into the ecosystems and that especially with these new approaches were best of breed and Mac alliances and everything like, like you really need to fit into the ecosystem. So you need to have an, a very clear approach towards different technology partners and, and how to integrate well with, with, with them and, and in an easy way. 
Uh, and then the third one is, is maybe the most obvious one that, that everyone tried to go go for uh, in a fast approach and, and expect great results in a very short time. And that's, of course, in sales to, to be able to increase this, your sales uh, with partners. All right. And what would you say is a good way of getting started with this? I mean, everything from identifying potential partners to, to take the first step. Do you need to hire a partner manager or what's the first things that you, you go about? Uh, I, I think for someone to coordinate and and uh, definitely to have alignment or what is the expectations, maybe that's where you typically go wrong, that it's you need something, someone to manage all these dialogues. It's maybe the first thing you need to align internally is what you expect out of the, the partner management team and, and what's the number one prioritizations among and, and sort of strategy with partners to actually select an area which you think would give you the best business case out of the three that I just mentioned, sort of growing the service organization internally or externally with partners, the, the product strategy or the, the sales strategy. So if you start with that focus and, and set the related targets, and, and, and PNL related to that area. I think that's a good starting point. And then also, you know, what kind of people you're looking for and that, that what skill set they need. Yeah. And it's very interesting what you say. Uh, I hate to admit it a little bit, but I, I've always thought about it selfishly, you know, because I've worked in sales always. Like the main focus for these partner deals, it, it's a, you know, call it a revenue channel. But it makes a lot of sense when you say like your partnership depends on one of these three brackets is it you know to build capacity to be part of an ecosystem or to generate revenue does it make sense to think of just one at a time or do you need to sometimes maybe combine these three brackets yeah i, I think uh, especially sales and and services and somewhat needs to be combined especially if you're working with uh, system integrators etc because they, of course, would like to take that to the market. And then you also need to train them and, and how to deliver and how to build an offering towards uh, the, the system integrations and consultancy partners that, uh, you know, what do they get out of the corporation? Um, so uh, that could that's a uh, probably the most common combination where you need to combine the different two values here of of uh, building the service organization with external partners and also in parallel try to be build a, a sales channels working with these partners yeah and i think we all see you know on linkedin a new partner collaboration being announced and so on and uh, but you know it's one thing uh, signing a paper and publishing a LinkedIn post is another thing to actually get a um, well-functioning partner um, collaboration that, that can, you know, provide revenue and, and other benefits. Mm -hmm. So how do you go from that paper product to something that actually works? Uh, yeah, I think that the next step is really to work on then what, what your, are your expectations? Uh, I mean, for example, working with a product strategy and, and how to fit into the 
ecosystems. There are also different targets and strategies that, that are possible to work within that space. So for example, one strategy could be to have a marketplace with 300 different integrations in place and to get that as fast as possible in place. Or you maybe want to deepen your integrations and relationship to a very few very important technology partners. So I think there there are different options uh, in in each area of partnerships here. Okay. Okay. And, and what what sort of makes you decide if you want to go for the volume or for a certain selected number of um, partners that are in the in the ecosystem play? Uh, I would definitely say that it's very much related and how uh, you, your customers are buying your product. Yeah. Uh, for example, and and if your product is more like a, a platform, or if it's more like a middleware or an add-on to a certain product, uh, so but but very much comes back to how are your customers buying your service? Okay, and looking at these different alternatives. So, if you're a platform, middle like kind of solution and an add-on, what what would be the different strategies? That would you say? Yeah, I mean, if you're an add-on, of course, then you need to find the key platforms where which is closely related to to your service, and you need to find how do I tap in and how do I bring value to these key partnerships. So they there's a clear value for these partners to to bring you into the deals. There is a clear structure how they can do it. There needs to be uh, enablement towards sales and maybe some incent- good incentives for the salespeople of that partner to, to come and uh, to, to mention and to work with you as a partner. Yeah. Uh, and of course, also with, with product here on the product side that you need to fit into them so you don't compete with their uh, roadmap. Or, or anything else. Yeah. So tell us more about this partnership because one scenario that we often see is that there's successful SaaS companies and then they feel like, for example, I want to be part of uh, the Salesforce ecosystem. I want to be part of the discussions when they meet a new customer. Mm-hmm. And how do you then get in there because you're going to be the smaller player there. Mm-hmm. Like Salesforce probably doesn't care that your product is going to cost uh, 10,000 euros when, when their own deal is going to be worth, you know, six figures, seven figures. Like, how do you motivate the, the revenue teams or the partner teams for you and your little solution, relatively little solution, to get invited to the discussion here, to get into the game and not just be seen as annoying nuance, something that slows down the process? So, so I think it's it's all about perspective. So you have to put yourself in their position. So especially with the if you're trying to get into an enterprise corporation here, and and it's it's really hard to navigate within these larger enterprise companies. But I think if you have, um, you definitely need to do the hard groundwork in finding these good uh, customer cases from the very start. And that's a must, and and that's you should expect that to find and get into these deals yourself, the very first ones. So yeah, um, you can't expect any sort of pull from that key enterprise partners from the very start, but you need to prove yourself. 
And then it's, I think it's uh, very much about being clear about what value you bring to, to that, to the joint client. And number two, if there is maybe a way that you actually strengthen the offering of the partner that gives that partnership a certain edge within a certain area that makes their sort of enterprise offering more compelling than their competitors. Right. And uh, on that note, when if it is a Salesforce or if it's somebody else, uh, and you want this to be a revenue generating partnerships for both parties, like which people should be involved ideally on each side of the equation for this to make work long term? Uh, there is typically uh, uh, some sort of, of partner team with that enterprise company. There's also probably a sort of business area manager product related to that product domain uh, or that area of the, the product that you're cooperating with. Uh, and then there's, of course, the sales organization. And maybe there's even a sales enablement organization that you can work with to get into their standards and, and their standard way of sharing information internally, etc. Uh, but there are also other options that you could find a beachhead to enter a local market corporation. If you are very strong in one market, maybe that partner has uh, a bigger interest to work with you within a certain area. Uh, so, so if you're proving yourself like we do now, for example, if we are we're extremely strong in the Nordics, maybe that's an opportunity to start a collaboration with a bigger enterprise company because they are interested in, in, in getting into our, our domains yeah. where we are really strong in the, in the local market. So uh, having a look at your latest experiences with InRiver and now Viado, I know that you have a lot of partners that implement the product. I mean, they also uh, sell, but implementation is a big part. Uh, how do you do in order to get these collaborations started? What, what are the important elements in onboarding such a partner and get them up to speed and and make this a collaboration that goes uh, both ways. Yeah, I think that's the, the catch-22 working with consultancy partners. They, at first, they have to see that there is a clear interest from the customers. So you have, to, again, to prove yourself that and win the first cases. You probably need to win one of their first, their existing customers first before there's a clear interest and there's an interest to, to get to know your your product and your domain better. And then there have to be sort of a clear number of, a clear sort of, um, you know, business case for, for that consultancy. Either it's in, in, in uh, implementation hours or if it's more like operational hours, how can they support our joint clients going forward? So you have to, to also make sure that there is a good business case and how to operate. If you're a self-service product uh, today that you go to the market basically and your customers can configure your product themselves and operate the product yourself, maybe there isn't a clear business case for you working with consultants and maybe you should only work with tech partners. Okay. 
um, maybe referral partners or something like that. But in the cases where the partner is more involved, mm. uh, and you mentioned it's good to have a, a case among their customers already, it's sort of a, a low threshold to get started. Um, but what does the customer need from your side in order to be able to you know, execute well on this. Let's say that you have a, a customer. Either you bring in someone or there is an existing customer as the partner. Now it's the time for the first implementation, second implementation. What, what kind of support do they need from, from you? Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting area and really growing area uh, for, for us SaaS companies that where there is a clear need for a service-focused company to come in or, and, and help with the implementation, both the setting this up, the strategy, the processes, the technical integrations and product management, etc. But also then afterwards in, in terms of maintenance and, and developing and and explore and you know trying to grow the utilizations of your tool, there is a clear need for enablement. And if you look at them, you know, the, the biggest SaaS companies of the world uh, like Salesforce and UiPath, etc., they've been investing in enab huge enablement programs with online trainings, com building communities, etc. So I think that's a key if you really want to scale that to fo focus on, on general enablement. Uh, I think it's very impressive how they built their enablement programs with, uh, you know, uh, really looking at enablement across the lines, enabling customers, partners, and internal resources within the business. So people actually utilized your, their, uh, these training programs also to highlight themselves and their own careers, etc. So, and to go a little bit deeper into that, I mean, when we say enablement, what what is the different parts that the enablement sort of entangles or consists of? Yeah, or even more specific, how do you enable your partners today? Yeah, I think um, you have to start. Uh, you can't expect the new partners to be uh, go and, and spend hours of, of billable hours and uh, on online training if they're not have a case in front of them. So I think first you need to be in front of people and do the, you know, trying to sell the concept. You have to do sales training, meeting with people and get them engaged, making sure that they understand how to talk about this so they can, uh, you know, relate and, and find their own story to tell to, to their clients and how this is connected to what they are currently working with, uh, with that customer. So I think it's very much a face-to-face -face approach. That's a, at least my uh, experience that, that's needed from the very beginning. And then when it comes to scaling that partnership and, and having more resources trained over time, once you've proven yourself and you have the first cases, then the digital training platforms, etc., can be used to scale. But, but to find that initial cases and initial interest and have to find and identify your ambassadors with that, with that partner, the face-to-face -face time is, is definitely needed. 
Okay. And what's your take on uh, partnerships that are revenue focused? Like how do you enable partners that are supposed to be a revenue channel, revenue source for you down the road? Uh, There are two different approaches here. Uh, Either you're maybe a more um, of an add-on or, you know, uh, more of a niche service that can actually be resold by partners. And so you go into a more of a reseller strategy to to actually train and and make it extremely easy to sell and package that that service of yours. Or it's more of a joint sales effort. If it's more of a service where you expect to have a direct contact and contract with your clients and your service partner typically have a a service contract in, in parallel then it's more of a joint sales approach. So then it's also about connecting people and, and trust, creating trust in between the organization, how you do the sales together. Yeah. Mm. And, and that is obviously a, a challenge that many of us has experienced. We, we, we know salespeople, God bless them. Uh, I am one of them. I've been one of them. Uh, there's a company and everybody has been thought this way. You want to control the conversation. You want to control the narrative. The last thing you want to do is bring in another person like yourself that equally wants to control the narrative. So how do you bridge that gap when you have two sales organizations, both with, you know, let's say aggressive sales targets, both want to close this. Like, how do you make sure that they somehow find common ground and it's, they, there's an understanding it's like both or nothing in this exercise? Yeah, I think that's the, maybe the, the most tricky part in the, sort of a sales-oriented partnership is how to scale that because it's very much an individual trust, an individual type of collaboration, which is hard to replicate. And it's hard to sort of train people on how to behave behave and and sort of... uh, But I think it's about giving them good examples. So uh, once you have made it work in between two different salespeople and, and where you create the joint success. Show them how it was done in, in detail. How did your sales manager work with the salesperson of the partner and in detail and going through that and then creating this sort of informal contacts in between the two salespeople uh, of your own team and the partner to, to create that trust. Uh, because it's very much about making it easy to communicate and making it easy to synchronize the contacts, setting up joint Slack channels and, and small things like that can definitely help. Are you tired of communicating with prospects through PDFs and slide decks that get lost in long email threads? Get Accept's digital sales firm empowers revenue teams to increase their win rate by engaging and understanding buyers from opportunity to sign deal. A microsite easily shareable to all stakeholders by a link. We can share sales content and quotes and communicate to get the contract signed. A collaborative buyer experience that wins the deal. We call it a digital sales firm. One thing that uh, you also touched upon a little bit is, you know, making sure that you as a company, you need to have the right type of understanding within the organization. So having the right partner set up 
to be successful with your partnership? If you take the two scenarios we just discussed here, you have either partnerships to build capacity or partnerships to build direct sales channels. Mm. How does the internal SaaS organization, uh, the partnership organization specifically need to look at? What roles do you need in it? Yeah, I think to... If you look at the, the process and how to take on a, on a service partner that are delivering consultancy services, for example, um, you definitely need someone to sell in the sell and, and create the interest towards that partner. So someone with sales skills, uh, and that's typically the traditional partner manager. And you typically down the line also need someone that can support them technically and how to integrate and how to work in the project and where there is maybe an, an enablement role for a partner enablement manager as we have here within Viado today. Uh, and that's someone that is then proactively preparing the partner to for the for the number of first coming projects, etc. But then once it's started to work, you also need to have resources within your own services and support organization that can support the partner. So it also needs to be integrated with your other teams in how to work with partners. Uh, and I think it's, you know, the, the I think the maybe it's uh, only in, in theory that would work, but Maybe you could have a, a partner strategy and a partner organization that is doesn't really include a partner team as such, but you actually have really an integrated way of working with with partners across your teams internally. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I would definitely say partner managers to sell it, partner enablement function and how to prepare partners, how to make sure that they have the, the detailed skills. Uh, enabled and then the you need the feedback loop of and uh, continuous loop in supporting partners etc which is more than uh, standard support or service organization of your team and what about revenue specific partnerships we we've seen in the community people discussed if they should have a dedicated partner marketer or anything like that what's your take on this I think you need to have partners that are uh, have the, the same amount of, of resources. If, if you want to focus on the sales and go-to-market uh, efforts with your partners, you definitely need to have partners that have the same type of resources within their organization. So, um, for example, I've, I find it from, from my perspective now to easier to work with other SaaS companies in a go-to-market activities because I know that they have uh, mark, you know, marketing resources. I know that they have sales organizations. I know that they have SDR teams that can reach out and, and build interest for, for these kinds of events, etc. that you're and content that you're building together. Uh, it's not that many service organizations that has all these capabilities. So, so I think it's important to realize what capabilities there are with the other partners, not to have the wrong expectations here. Right. And who would the partner organization report to? That's coming back to the, the initial dialogue here. I mean, 
if it's more about building capacity in, in services and delivery, I would definitely say a service organization. Uh, if you have it more of a uh, related to product, it can be part of product management. Uh, if if it's all about fitting into the market and into the ecosystem, but if it's related to go to market strategy and sales, um, definitely the, the commercial team where you connect to into both marketing and uh, sales and and cooperation. Now, I think one in important learning for me here over the last year, being part of the commercial team with, with part of management that I've been uh, both at Den River and Viado is really, really to try to create a, a model where you cooperate well across the team. So you don't compete generating business with the other teams. Okay. Uh, so, so really trying to see, okay, what are the skill sets and capabilities of, of each team and try to utilize that together. And looking at these three different ways of running partnerships, what are the KPIs that, that you use to sort of measure your success? Yeah, if you look, start looking to, to sales, for example, it could be, uh, you know, generated leads or partner influenced leads that you could measure in, in different ways. Uh, then there is also, of course, the how can we improve the win rate uh, you working with partners. So is there, for example, if you work with service partner, is there an approved estimate on the, the pro external project and uh, that needs to happen to, so you actually pre- work continuously with the partner to make sure that they provide a good estimate for, for the project. So you work and to improve the win rate in the sales process. And then another, you know, measuring the success, of course, could be the um, uh, the value of, of uh, ARR or MRR that are partner influenced. Um, there are other partners. If you have a product strategy related partners, so measure the number of integrations that each of your clients have in place. That would definitely help you. Uh, with your uh, retention rates of, of the company. Uh, and there is also related to the services and and um, if you work with service capabilities and, and uh, you could look at uh, uh, utilization of your platform. Uh, so make sure that you have service partners that are continuously working to and, and supporting your client to improve utilization of your, your service. That's something that uh, is is now possible, I think, with, we, for example, are looking at data from Pendo and, and other internal tools uh, to combine and, and look at utilization and see how can we then work with partners to, to ramp this up over time. All right. And Jesper, I have to ask you, you spend a career in building partnerships for many different companies. And there will be a lot of uh, people listening, obviously, to this uh, episode, trying to accelerate their partner programs. What would be your top three tips for anybody that, you know, is obviously doing some kind of a partner activity and just feel like, I want to accelerate it? Where should they invest? Where should they double down? Uh, I think uh, don't try to do everything at once. Uh, 
but but actually f- choose a, a focus area and align that with your uh, with your management. Uh, so so this is the why we are working with partner management internally to to establish that that would be number one, and my number two would be to be hands on in the next step and really be out there and. And, and do partner sales uh, and, and create uh, a clear strategy where you don't expect things to happen, but the partner team have to understand that they have to sell into the partners. Right. And then uh, I think the third one would be to, to make sure that you really work well and are aligned with that related team internally. So don't try to set up sort of too much parallel channels and, and uh, of communication and KPIs, etc. But to be well integrated, if your purpose is to go to market and sell with partners, you have to work very close cooperation with the other sales related team like SDR marketing and sales. Good advice. Good summary. Thank you. So Jesper, it's been great hearing and learning from you today. But uh, looking forward here a little bit, what is the future for uh, Voyado here the, the next few years? Uh, well, a uh, big thing is, is of course, to uh, establish ourselves in the new markets. Uh, so I think that's number one prioritization for, for, for this year. And, and for us personally here in, in the partner management and our team is, is to align our roles and expectations across the internal teams with, with our service and product organization further. That's, so, of course, our key ambition here over the next year, uh, more in, on the internal note. But uh, externally, definitely take on the, the new markets that are UK, Benelux, and, and Germany. All right. Great. And is there something particular that you're looking for right now, work-wise in your organization? Well, uh, good salespeople in the new markets uh, is definitely something that is always uh, high in, in, and then also, you know, smart developers. Uh, I know that both our product teams are definitely scouting for more uh, experienced developer, developers. So uh, please look at the career site and there are a lot of different roles uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, Take this to another 30% forward this year. <laughs> Exciting. And is there anyone that you think that we should bring on the show that you would be interested in hearing from? Yeah, I think something that is, you know, more or less interesting for um, for uh, the SaaS community is, is the relationship to investors. And, okay. and uh, I think... One person that some of us has been working with is, is Anders Hilmason, uh, that that did uh, a very successful exit here with uh, InRiver, and I think the the experience is working with external investors and how you attract capital, etc., is some is key for a lot of SaaS companies out there. All right. So, did he buy you a fancy dinner in order for you to say that, or no? I'm actually meeting him for lunch in 30 minutes. So. That's <laughs> <laughs> you can tell him he owes us a pizza yeah. yes i will i will no sure. but but uh thank you for that uh anders is great and we're happy to be talking to him at some point here 
So with that, Jesper, thank you for being on the Sassy's podcast today and uh, see you around. See you around. Thanks for having me. Take care now. So Daniel, what are your takeaway from this episode? A big and probably obvious one is many people in our world talk about uh, you have to know your ICP ideal customer profile. I think it's equally important, like Jesper said, although he used different words, to know your ideal partner profile, IPP. Maybe I can claim that I coined that. You got to know your IPP. You heard that first here. No, it's like you got to know what type of partnerships are you looking for? Is it, you know, like he said, for engineering capacity or, you know, deployment capacity, or is it partners on the other end of the spectrum to help you drive, you know, leads and build pipe and so on? Very different setups, very different IPPs. And if you don't figure it out from the start, then everything else will become much more tricky going down because you won't have the right people on board, you won't have the right programs on board. So I, I thought it was really good that he he highlighted there's three different type of partnerships, you know, simplified obviously, that you can engage in and you got to know which one is the right one for you to start with. Yeah, how about that for a takeaway, Thomas? Like, what's your takeaway? Well, I would say that uh, it's all about enablement because it's one thing to just sign a partner, but in order for them to to really you know, start to provide value. You, you need to have a plan to educate them. You need to have a plan for them both to learn how to implement, how to sell your product. They, they need good support for you. And um, make sure that you plan for that already when, when you're sort of um, deciding to go on this path. Because uh, if you're there with a partner network that is sort of crippled when it comes to these things, it's just going to be a burden and don't give you... Um, the output that you want very true and with that like always thank you so much for listening and if you're enjoying these episodes and these interviews please hit that five star or five hearts or in whatever platform you are and that also gives us a lot more encouragement to continue another thing that it gives us encouragement of course and it helps us serve you in the best way possible keep coming in with suggestions for ideas speakers or topics that we should address here that is very helpful for us so once again we're very grateful for you taking the time to listen and for helping us make the right content choices here going forward and we hope we'll see you either in your uh, podcast player very soon or in one of the networks or in the slack channel in the near vicinity absolutely so uh, either in person at Sassiest or one of our meetups or Daniel mentioned Slack. Don't miss it. You can go to sassiest.com on the community and you can also apply for the SAS, uh, Slack community. If you work for a B2B SaaS company here in Europe, you are, um, well, you're qualified. So go in, participate in the discussions, join more than 700 B2B SaaS companies. And uh, with that, hope you have a great week and see you soon again. Ciao.